You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round three recap episode for the Masters. Joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. What's going on, Greg? Man, what a day. This was. This is kind of what we were waiting for. I can't wait for uh, for Kyle to get here to join us because he was talking about he was talking a little bit about yesterday how firm and fast separates and how we saw that bunch leaderboard because of conditions firms up a little bit and we got some serious separation. So man, I mean, what a clinic today. That was, that was awesome. Phenomenal stuff. Yeah. So we'll get, uh, I think Mark and and Kyle, they're going to join us as soon as they can. So we'll bring them in when they get here, but the storyline for Saturday for moving day is Dustin Johnson, who not only, Uh, entered the round as one of the co-leaders, Greg, but he goes out and shoots uh, the round of the day, a seven under 65. He did it. Let's see here. Uh, He, he hit every single fairway. He missed, I believe two greens. It's now been 30 holes since he's made a bogey. This was about a stress free round of major championship golf as I could ever picture. It, It went exactly the way you would draw it up. First of all, the driving display was just awesome. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's hard to overlook that because it was awesome. And and it's a golf course that's a little more open. It feels like the fairways are wider. So it's not as impressive hitting every fairway you, you'd think. But it was extremely important, right? It, it's just you, you can't overlook that. So that's one thing. But the the iron play is another thing and then just the way the whole round comes together the way it you you can't script it up any better better you make uh you, you leave it under the hole on one easy two putt good get on two and you hit a great shot in there going trying to get it up around the green and two hopefully on into and you end up hitting it to three feet <laughs> and it's like like it's just okay that's a great start so that eagle there's a bonus right i look at that as a complete bonus, bonus. three you hit the right shot off the tee and you hit a great little pitch shot up there. It's a whole, you, you give yourself a good look at birdie with that whole location every day. So make a birdie there. Okay. I'm doing what I should. Then it falls in on four. Now, all of a sudden you're four under through four. You've got two bonuses already. You probably should be, you know, you, you two under is very doable in that first four hole stretch. You're at four under huge bonus. Um, and then on six, you hit the shot way probably one of his worst iron swings that are maybe 18 hit it, hit it way right. And it catches mm-hmm. the slope and works out great. You have a 110, 114, I think it was into seven and you hit a great wedge shot and, and you're off and running. And then the second nine, he just does exact. He does nothing more and nothing less than what you're supposed to do. So it was, it was clinical. And there are a couple of bonuses in there. I'd probably say, at least two shots that were real big bonuses where you, you didn't need them. And it, and this round could have just looked like a, a sleepwalking 67 or 68 and everybody would have been happy. A couple bonuses go in, no mistakes, 65. Mm. From a historical sense, he, his 200 strokes through 54 holes ties Jordan Spieth's record low for 54 holes. He's gone 10 straight rounds under par at the Masters, which is tied for Tiger Woods for the longest streak in Masters history. And he's going to try to add a second major championship to his resume on Sunday. But Greg, let me, let me pump the brakes just a little bit with this four-shot lead. This is the, the fifth time. Dustin Johnson has held or co-held, co-led a major after 54 holes, and he is 0-4-4. Obviously, a couple of them infamous uh, failures, I guess we would call them. How confident are you in DJ come Sunday? Maybe not for all of them, but for most of these, I've been very confident. Yeah. He's the He's the best player in the world. 
Um, he, he's world number one. His game is as complete as anybody. We were talking a little bit about before, we'll, and we'll get into this, but a lot of these big, big names like Rory, like Justin Thomas, I can make an argument for John Rob. We'll get there a little bit later, but you know, everybody seems to have that one area that you can, you question. And Dustin Johnson has none of them until you get to Sunday in a major. And this is where we see, uh, and we have seen a different player, a different Dustin Johnson has come out. So where are we? Well, he's got a four shot lead over three players. He's at 16. You have three players at 12 um, and, and some, a couple of other guys behind that. So at a four shot lead, I would say under par, Rick, probably 70 or 71 is probably yeah. enough to get the job done. Might need 70, um, but 71 might get it done. And then, so what's the high round if everything goes wrong for him tomorrow? What does that round look like? And I just, this is not 2010, Rick. He's not going to go shoot 82 tomorrow. <laughs> if everything goes wrong, I see him shooting at Augusta National. He's clearly comfortable out there. I, I mean, I, I, you got these par fives that he can handle in, in his sleep, it seems. Yeah. I got to think the, the, the bad round for him, everything goes wrong, is 73, 74. Mm. I don't see it getting worse than that. We're going we're gonna to talk a lot more about Dustin Johnson and, and prospects for tomorrow, especially when, when the rest of the guys get here. But real quick, you, you mentioned the, the, the chase group. You mentioned the three guys at 12 under par. Sung J.M., Abraham Answer, Cam Smith, all notably on that International President's Cup team. I mean, I've been impressed with all of these guys. Uh, we, we mentioned what competitors they are all week. You know, Cam Smith, this, this guy, uh, you know, he plays his final four holes in five under par. Um, he's, been, he's been phenomenal. And I don't know if they're going away. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of weird. They're four shots back. They're in the chase group. It's not like they're sleeping on a lead or anything like that, but I don't really see them going anywhere. Do you? Uh, no, I don't. Um, so I think it was yesterday. He played the last, he played 15 yeah. through 18 in five under. And he played his today, last, he played his last six and three under. That's my bad. Yeah. Right. Right. So, but, but point is you forget about camp Smith all day and you, you play 12 straight holes with all pars and you're sitting there at, at nine and you're just staying at nine and DJ's running and everybody forgets about Cam Smith makes three quick birdies. And all of a sudden he's a part of the story. I mean, it, another round of 69 for him tomorrow could maybe put him in position. He could be the guy that wears a green jacket because of a disaster at hole number 12, right? Mm. Which, which can happen. One, it can happen in one shot at Augusta. Danny, Danny Willett found himself slipping on right. a green jacket after a couple Just of bad by strokes. hanging around. Mm -hmm. So I, Cam Smith's impressive. And I think looking at his round, there's a lot to learn. Like a, a guy like Justin Thomas to me could learn a lot from this, this patience, yeah. um, which is interesting. It should be flipped, right? Cam Smith should be learning from JT. But anyway, he's been really impressive. I love where he is. Uh, an answer to me, and we spoke about this yesterday, Rick. I, I love what uh, I love what Abraham Answer has done. It's just been so impressive. I love the kid, I, and he's such a good, strong, fiery competitor. Um, and he did exactly what he had to do today. So really cool to see. But the other, the, Sung Jm. I mean, Rick, this is your boy. Talk to me about Sung Jm. I, I mean, listen, the, the, it was, it was short game. It was short game magic for Sung Jay, right? He had nine, one putts. I believe he chipped in on 11, which was, that was sweet. Uh, I mean, that's stealing from where he was. That's, that's, that might be stealing two strokes from where he was super awkward spot. Um, yeah. I mean, he's solid. Right. And, and I don't know where he's going, if he's going away. Right. I mean, you have to remember the, the, the evolution and the career progression on a very young player like Sung Im is being awesome on the Corn Ferry Tour, is being your PGA Tour Rookie of the Year. It's showing up at the President's Cup. It's being a PGA Tour winner. And every step of the way, Greg, his peers have raved about his game, right? Every step of the way. And, and to win at Honda at PGA National, which is very difficult, especially the closing holes, he's like he didn't fade, right? He, he steps up to it. So uh, I'm interested to see how he does basically for the first time, you know, Sunday in contention at a, at a major championship. And you have a little bit of a, this isn't a takeaway, but it just, it's a perfect storm for these young guys. You have no patrons 
and it yeah. it it has an effect. It it's a little bit softer coming in. I'm not saying there's no pressure because there's no patrons, but there's something about a, a roar at Augusta National when a Dustin Johnson or a Tiger Woods or a Rory McIlroy gets on a run, mm-hmm. and you you don't just hear it, but you feel it. And, and that changes your, it changes your body, right? Your heart rate changes. Mark can speak about this. You, you, the, the palms start to sweat a little bit. And all of a sudden you're physically in a different form than you were five minutes ago. And that's something that takes time to learn. This is a little bit more of a soft welcome. So it, it definitely benefits uh, these three, these three players at 12 under. All right. We've got the crew here. Mark Immelman has just joined us. Kyle Porter has just joined us. Let me bring them in. Mark Immelman, we'll start with you. We've talked about DJ. We've talked about the chase pack a little bit. Let me just get your thoughts on a great moving day at Augusta National. It was a fantastic moving day. Um, trusting you can hear me pretty well, right? My sound is good. Yeah, the the, the, the moving day was awesome. Um, it was nice to see the golf course sort of take on the personality of Augusta National that we all know and love, you know, a little faster on the greens, a little firmer on the greens, allowing these undulations to have a bit more of an effect. And so that was fun to see. And, and to me, it sort of, it separated the pack just a little bit and it, it, it didn't, and it highlighted who was hitting the ball the right distance, who was making the smart decisions. And, and DJ honestly was in a class of his own. Uh, The way he played today was, was, was uh, atypical of the Hall of Fame career he's assembling. It looked complete today, the way he played, the way he drove the golf ball, the way he struck his irons. Uh, uh, Obviously, the putting was on point, but the thing that was the most impressive to me was just the comfort level he put together. And in a major championship, uh, Greg referenced the fact that the palms get sweaty and the heart rate elevates and that sort of thing. Dustin looked completely in control the entire time. And it's not often you get a stress-free round in a major championship. And certainly not very often you get a stress-free round at Augusta National. And that was about as stress-free as I've seen. So I count myself kind of fortunate to have seen a performance like that because it was, it was one of a kind. It, it was complete. He was unflappable. It was every single fairway. It was all but two greens. Kyle Porter, I'm assuming that all of this led to you hovering that little Twitter finger over the button. And press and tweet on the Vince Carter dot gif. <laughs> it's over. You know what I, well, I didn't have my phone with me. You know what I wanted to tweet it? Tell me. The shot he hit into two. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, you know, I'm doing this whole thing. Like we got to be patient with DJ. We never know what's going to, and then he hits the shot into two and it's like, well, that's a wrap. Cause that, I mean, the, and Mark's right. He is so, and Rory <laughs> talked about this on, uh, I think it was Friday night after playing with him. He said, look, like his, basically, it, he didn't say these words, but he basically said his vibe is aspirational. Like, mm-hmm. he, and we've talked about this, his greatest superpowers, forget the hole before, forget the round before, and on to the next one. And, you know, I think it's fitting, and, and I'm, I'm glad that, that Mark, one of us, at least picked him, because I think it's fitting that, DJ would win like the most laid back masters of all time. I was out there all day. It was not, it was not intense. It was not, um, there, there's always a kind of a, a mood or like a, a shift in the aura at Augusta national on Saturday afternoon when the leaders go off, that didn't happen on Saturday because there's, there's nobody out there. And for the players, they might feel it a little bit more, but you just, you didn't get that intense vibe. And I think it's kind of fitting that DJ would lead and potentially win maybe the most laid back masters of all time. You know, um, you mentioned the shot on two and I would add number four to that, the, the putt that he made on four and Kyle, I was thinking of you and what you talked about, how you just hit it at the middle of the greens on par fours, take advantage of par fives. If you get a couple of putts to go, it's a bonus. And by the time he got through number four, he already had a bonus Eagle on number two. Right. It's a great shot, but you don't need that. You need you need to make four there. He makes three. So that's a bonus. And then on four, you get that putt to go and making two on fours is another bonus. So you at that point, if you just take care of the par fives the rest of the way, which he did, you have a great round. It yeah. takes a lot of stress away. Yeah, totally. We're, we're going to obviously talk good. Even his bad shots were good. He hit a ball on, on six that was not on his line it was out to the right and it hits that slope on the on this on the sixth screen going up to the to the right uh kind of tabletop up there 
and it just shoots it all the way back down to the left. And he has an under the under the uh, hole putt for for birdie. He he didn't make a two. He made a three there. But even his shots that were off and the drive on eight. Oh my gosh! I I think it was like three fifty three, and he didn't even look at it. I mean, he was he. It, it was almost as if the deeper he took it, the more relaxed he got. And uh, it was it was pretty awesome. It was a it was a really impressive performance. 333 yards piped down the middle of the fairway at number eight on Saturday. We're going to talk more about Dustin Johnson, but I want to talk about the number two and number three player in the world. And Mark, we're going to start with Justin Thomas and um, we'll bring Greg into this in a second, but you know, Greg and I were talking before we went hot uh, about the way that Justin Thomas's second nine went for him. He ends up bogeying four of his last seven. And the question we had was, Maybe he got a little aggressive. Maybe he tried to take on shots that he didn't need to as he started looking at the scoreboard, seeing Dustin Johnson extend a little bit, and then Augusta National sneaks up and bites you. Uh, perhaps there was a bit of that, but I just saw a Justin Thomas that didn't really look like he had the control that he ordinarily does. Uh, I mean, he missed a few tee shots that looked late to me. And, and you know, with a guy who's got such a vigorous uh, body action through the ball because he's slightly built, and he can propel this thing a long ways. The you're walking on a knife edge all of the time, and when you got that hard rotation, if the club's just slightly behind you, the face is going to be late, and it's kind of like a, a baseball player turning on a fastball too early. And I saw some of that with the longer things, and then when you start to miss one or two, then that thing starts to creep into the psyche a little bit. And I saw situations where then he's trying to catch up and save. So you out of time, and then you have to square one sort of engineer contact with the hands and wrists a little bit more. And that's when you start to feel like, oh my goodness, it's going in two directions. So certainly perhaps he was getting a little bit more aggressive. I don't think the time was warranted. There's a lot of time. If you just keep DJ within arm's length, then, you know, anything's possible. I mean, what does the uh, cliche go that the Masters doesn't begin until the second nine on Sunday afternoon? And it's true. You know, someone, they set the way that's the way they set up that second nine uh, someone can get busy and shoot 30, 31, whatever the case might be. Um, so I, I think he was battling the golf swing some. He told us that in round two. He said, I didn't have my best stuff, but I put together a pretty good round. And today with just, you know, that east northeasterly on certain holes was a bit more cross. And, and that may expose a person that's just mistiming the golf swing a little bit. My master's doesn't start until Bryson calls a rules official. So Friday afternoon, <laughs> <laughs> then we're off and running. Greg, you, we, you and I were talking about this uh, before we went hot. So I want to bring you into this Justin Thomas second nine conversation. I, I believe um, when, so DJ is doing what he's doing and I'm watching Justin Thomas behind him. And on the first nine, he's staying really patient. He looks great. Sound coming off his iron strikes is just awesome. I don't know if Kyle's got a chance to hear that in person, but on TV, it sounds like he's just flushing it. Kyle, let's go and take a cold shower after you got a close-up of the stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So it it was looking great. Anyway, then he turns, and on number 12, he makes that sloppy bogey. And all of a sudden, it's like he's got to get a little more aggressive. He answers with birdie at 13, but then – he really goes, uh, I think, a little too aggressive at 14, overcooks it, misses it left where you can't miss it on 14. Uh, I mean, he's lucky if the, the chip shot that he hits. That, I mean, there are times I've seen that shot go 80 feet away. It gets down the next tier, and all of a sudden it's on the other side of the green. So I think a little over aggressive on 14 and on 15, trying to hit the, the big hook. It, it just looked to me like he's trying to make eagle. Like he's really, he's trying to hit it. He's trying to knock it to a foot where you play your shot a little bit less of a, of a, of a draw there. And all of a sudden you make an easy four and you play to the fat of the green on the right-hand side and and do your work for a a difficult two putt. But you know, you make, you make four and all of a sudden you're sitting at 12 or maybe 13 under right now. And, and you're right there. Greg, I hear you, but I, but I want to pitch that back at you just with an observation that hook shot he hit into a 15 you know you want to try and turn one in there to that whole location a guy who's underneath and a little late a guy who likes to fade the golf ball under pressure if that club's behind you and you're trying to draw one then you start to get busy with your forearms through contact and you swing to the right of a shutting face you can turn that sucker over quickly especially if you're going at the speed he is so i hear you perhaps it went to something to the right side of the green but if you miss timing stuff and you're having to try and manufacture a hook, 
you know, that stuff can go wrong with adrenaline going and a whole lot of speed. So you're thinking it was just, it was his golf swing got out of sorts more so than his decision-making. Yeah. Well, look, the decision-making perhaps it was a little aggressive, you know, because, and, and look, I'm assuming I'm just, I'm telling you what I saw. I don't know for certain. I haven't heard what he had to say. Right. What I saw was a guy who was, who was sort of fighting some of the directional issues on the backside because the golf swing was a bit mistimed. Yeah, JT to me was probably one of the biggest disappointments of this Saturday moving day. The other, I guess, KP has to be John Rahm. I mean, he goes out, he shoots an even par round of 72, but the low light we're going to see on all the on all the reels is, uh, what, cold top on f- eight on right. the par five, and then he hits a tree and it goes into – what the bushes over there? I mean, it, it got pretty ugly. He ends up taking a, a, a double bogey and he makes a couple birdies coming in, but uh, just never really got it going. Yeah. First, I'd like to apologize to Mark for being excited about the Masters. So I'll try to, <laughs> try to dial it down next time. Um, yeah, I was on eight with Rom and the second shot. So he, he almost hit somebody with his third shot. Off the tree? Off the tree. Yes, it, those two people over there had to like duck out of the way. Yeah, so that was a that was a, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. That was a member and his wife, <laughs> and they almost got smoked. And he was so mad about. So he, I don't know if the camera picked this up, but after he hit that, he started hollering about how uh, we. He's he was like freaking mud balls all week, and I just got two in a row. And he's just he's just yelling, and then he he stomps over, and he kind of goes off cam, and he did the, he did this at Wingfoot too. He did this at the U.S. Open where he takes the club and acts like he's gonna snap it over his leg, and he did that, and then he starts just cursing in Spanish for like thirty seconds, and I don't I don't know how much of the TV like picked all this up, but it was like people were backpedaling, and there was only like ten people out there, and they were like twenty feet away from. Him. It was, it was, it was a roller coaster for sure. Um, so yeah, he just, you know, he didn't hit the ball very well. He was kind of all over the place. What I don't, did he end up shooting 72, 71, yeah, 72. 72. It felt like a 76 as I, as you're watching it unfold, you know, he got one back, I think on 14 and then he might've birdied 15 as well. Um, but I, you know, honestly, it was a, it was a little impressive that he, that he shot 72 given how he was hitting it. It's just the problem of now you're down whatever seven to, to DJ going into Sunday. That's that's not going to happen. We are seeing the evolution of John Rahm's game, Greg. I mean, he's he what won the Memorial. He won the BMW Championship. I mean, we're seeing him rise to the occasion. Yet to see it in a major championship. There seems to also he's like he has a shank or a cold top more in his bag more often than any other top pro. Right? It's always on eight. <laughs> It's always on eight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, I guess a bad omen. You're right. We, we have seen a, a, a cold shank out of him and now a cold top hook. I mean, that, that top hooked it over <laughs> into the trees there. Most of the time, if you had a top with a fairway wood on a par five, like eight, the second shot on eight with a three wood or something, it's the perfect time to hit a cold top. Cause it's just going to roll up there and you're likely. Okay. You hit an iron up near the green work for a work for a five. We have a chance at making a four, but this, this top hooked. So you don't, you don't see that very often. Uh, the, the, the cold top hook, but what he did after that, I, I thought was, I mean, I guess Kyle has a, has a much better vantage point than me, but I, I didn't see that stuff on camp. Maybe I missed it. Maybe it just wasn't there, but I didn't see that reaction. And I actually, Watching on TV, I thought he was handled himself pretty well, considering how bad that just went. So it's interesting to hear your well, uh, your, your that, viewpoint there, Kyle. So also on nine, when he teed off, there was a there was like a cart that was running. I don't know, fifty yards behind us, and it kind of sped up right as he teed off, and he was yelling about that. So I think that there's two things going on. One, he's pissed, and he's like showing it. But then also he's he's not getting out like he's still hitting golf shots like he's still kind of staying in his game. So I think that right. I think we've turned this Rom thing into like oh well he's just calm now so he like he he doesn't blow up so he's he's playing better golf. Well no he's 
he's still like blowing up. He's just not hitting bad golf shots after that. And he's like the second best player in the world. So I think, I think both things can kind of be true at the same time. Maybe, maybe cursing for 30 seconds is his way of uh, just getting it all out there and, and, and resetting. Well, Tiger had, Tiger had a rule where in 10 shots, he had, he had 10 steps to be as mad as he wanted. He could throw a club. He could swear. Unfortunately, he didn't have the command of the Spanish language of John Rahm, but he could he could throw a club, use whatever language he needed to. Ten steps later, he's on to the next shot. And maybe doesn't sound like it, Kyle, but maybe John Rahm's getting to that point where it's okay to be mad. It just can't leak into your next shot. Yeah, I think I think and we've talked about this. I think it where it kind of leaked in the past is maybe the decision making. Right. And his caddy even told him, like, hey, take your time here. Take your time take your time. And I thought that part was interesting because I think that's where, yeah, you can still be pissed and he still is. We need to not say that he's not because he definitely is. But as long as it doesn't affect the next shot, then who cares? Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We are giving away a television, gentlemen. We're giving away a 55-inch smart TV. And here's what you need to know if you'd like a chance to win. The contest is completely free to enter to win just go to cbsports.com slash first cut giveaway that link is in the description of the episode if you are watching on youtube and of course it's in the podcast description on all podcast platforms this contest ends november 23rd so the winner will get to watch the next masters only five months away in crispy high definition and that next masters mark is probably going to feature rory mcelroy going for a career grand slam unless he pulls something out of his hat on Sunday. Uh, Rory's got a lot of work to do, but he's now put together rounds of 66, 67. And, and only Rory can do this thing where he shoots a 66 or 67. And you'll wonder if he left three shots out there. Yeah. The thing that I've always said about Rory and all of my experiences in watching him, there's been one round. It was the final round at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. I think it was two seasons, maybe three ago. Uh, when he shot a final round of 64, I, I, I was on covering the group. And it's the most sublime round of golf I've ever laid my eyes on. And I've called JT's 59. I've seen some stuff in my days face on, right? And that round that McElroy played, it, is, it just came so easy. But bar that, every round that I've always seen out of Rory, it's always looked like he signed for something higher than what it should have been. When you get certain golfers, like whenever Tiger plays, He's signing for something lower than what it should have been. There's certain golfers that have just, just have that, that sort of grind, that junkyard thing about them where they'll grind out something. Uh, Rory, the last couple of days, has been the guy that everybody told us he was in the practice days. He said as much. Phil Mickelson said as much. Everyone that played alongside him in the practice days said, this guy is just off the charts right now, the way he's hitting the thing. 
and I'm on the Avon Corner coverage, and he gets out early, makes a few birdies, then birdies 10, which is a big-time birdie, right? Gets to our tee, and there's a little wind over the left shoulder, helping some, but just enough to aggravate a right-hander because a wind across your back, a golfer will typically get a little, uh, want to sort of engineer stuff a bit too much. And he gets down there and just laces this tee shot, like 130 feet in the air, as straight as raw spaghetti, like 350 down the middle of the fairway. And I looked at this, I'm like, this boy is on song now. And I was waiting for him to really accelerate. He hit the thing on the edge of the green, kind of iffy, makes a par, then the next hole, skins one in the bunker and holes out. And now I'm like, okay, this is going to be silly low now. And all of a sudden, then he makes a three-putt bogey on the par five and yeah. sort of fumbles his way to the end of the round, which was 67. And I use the word fumble, you know, respectfully. Um, and so, yes, it, it, it's, it's reinforced the idea to me. And, you know, bearing Dustin and Justin and John Rahm and all these guys in mind, when Rory is on, it is just something different. And we saw some of that today. And will he do something extra special, different today? And, and, and will Dustin Johnson do a Greg Norman? Well, who knows? The future is yet to be told. But I have no doubt that if McElroy is able to find that gear, and he does it well here around Augusta National, perhaps in April he might do it. If not, um, that's gonna, that, 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 that Mount Grand Slam is going to become all the more steep to climb. The The... Three putt from from nine feet on 13 that Mark references is going to be what everybody points to because he gets the 13, birdieing four of his last five, Kyle. And, and I want to kind of frame it like this for you too. Uh, first round in major championships since the beginning of 2015, Rory McIlroy has played them 28 over par. Rounds two through four, 61 under courtesy of Justin Ray. Is this round one thing a thing? I mean, that's what five years worth of evidence, 20 majors or so. I think I, you know, and what's so interesting, somebody brought this up. I can't remember who it was. Somebody on Twitter brought it up, but he used to, I think it used to kind of be the opposite, right? He would, he would be the front runner. Uh, and Mark talked about this a little bit, even as it relates to Augusta, like if he front runs, it's over, like it's, it's going down. Um, but, yeah, the last five years have not been great, and now we're left with kind of two paths for him. The first is that he's Ernie Els at Augusta, right, where he, like, has all these close calls and it never happens, and he just gets kind of disenchanted with the tournament like, like Ernie did. Uh, and then the second is that he is, uh, like, an, like, basically Sergio or, or an Adam Scott where he wins after his – I mean, so few guys have won after their 13th try. I think there's like four guys that have done that. Or, or what, was what was that? What, when did Phil win? Uh, I can find out. Nine, I think. Okay. Something like that. So there's only been like four guys that have won after 12 tries. So it's either Ernie Els or Sergio. And if he's Sergio and he wins really late in terms of how many tries he's had – then he gets the career slam. And if he's, if he's Ernie Els, then obviously he doesn't. So I think, it, I mean, it's just, it seems sort of like DJ, it seems so obvious that this should have happened and yet it hasn't. And at some point you have to kind of reconcile the fact that it hasn't and, and maybe isn't going to over the course of his career. I want to get Greg's take on this and I want to make a statement then get his response to this because I'm interested in coming at this from a golf instruction point of view. And Rory made a comment early in the week that to me, it seemed like he had kind of unshackled himself from this burden that is uh, achieving the career grand slam. And he said, look, because someone asked him, okay, so what happens if you don't win? And his response was something to the effect of, well, if I don't win, that's okay. And I'm comfortable with not achieving the grand slam because everything in golf has been great. Now, he wants to be the leading European tour golfer. He said as much or European golfer, so that means he's got to pass by Nick Felder and get to seven majors. But that statement, Greg, where he was like, I'm okay with not achieving that. Do you feel like if you were advising a young golfer and he says to you, okay, I'm, I'm okay with what I've done and everything else is a bonus, do you feel like this frees them up or is that kind of just a, a bunch of smoke and mirrors? 
I understand the freeze them up mindset, but do you think Tiger Woods would say I'm okay if I don't win? Uh, how about Michael Jordan or uh, Wayne Gretzky or, I mean, name a great athlete, name a, a, a world-class best of their generation, uh, a goat, name a goat. None of them have that attitude. They hate losing. And I don't know, I, look, maybe it's, it's hard to win. And I understand that, but there's a, there's definitely a pressure there. And it, it's um, the longer that he goes and the more that that attitude creeps in and the more okay that it is that he doesn't win. And almost, I mean, it gets, it gets harder. You, but there's a very fine line in golf between, well, it, you're not getting the results you want work harder, right? In, in basketball, go practice your free throws more, spend more hours in the gym, practicing free throws and your free throws will get better golf can there's a there's a tipping point where you can over try see jordan speed right maybe you're working too hard so there's a balance i i'm for sure but you're talking about a career grand slam there are so few people who have done this and achieved this and it takes a a very special individual to do it because i mean look at what look at the players who haven't done it so I don't know. I, I, I would like to see a little more fire out of Rory. I'd like to see a little more uh, almost anger in the sense that, hey, I, I'm not letting this happen again. This is my tournament, and I'm going to do what Dustin Johnson is doing this week. I think that, I think that is true of him as a, as a person, that it, he's okay with not winning it. But I think it becomes – I think it's not true, like when the first round starts. And so you have these things that are kind of uh, like diverging against one another. And it creates this like weird chaos where he just, it, it just affects the way he plays in the first round. Like, I think he, I think, you know, 51 weeks out of the year, I think he's okay. Like he's, he's fine as a person, but then I think this one week, it really does matter a lot. And when you try to like, you know, like Tiger, it was 52 weeks of the year. It matters a lot. And with Rory, I think it, it's not really like that because he's, I, I think, just mentally in like a more relaxed place. And so it, it, it creates a weird sort of aura, I think, the week uh, of the actual tournament. And, and it's not just the Masters. We got to see a similar situation um, at Royal Port Rush last year where it meant, I mean, he, he remarked that it meant more to him than winning a, a green jacket at the time it's in Northern Ireland. And I mean, the tournament goes away on the first swing. So it, it the, those high pressure moments, and I, these are, these are pressure moments that no, nobody really gets to face. It's not like everybody has a chance at these moments. So it's an accomplishment just to get to this place where he is, but these moments have given him a really hard time. Um, and, and I think it's a good point, Kyle, there's kind of this, yeah, I don't really care if I win or not, but at the same time, he's thinking, yeah, this is going to be the time that I do win. So let me go. Yeah, but I can do it this time. I don't care, but I'll do it this time. Uh, speaking of goats, Tiger Woods shoots an even par round of 72. Mark, two birdies, two bogeys. After his round, he said, I think this was to Amanda Balionis, I'll have to double check it. He said, I can walk all day. The hard part is bending and twisting. Um, I play golf recreationally mark i think bending and twisting is quite important it is <laughs> yes the truth and this is for my i can speak with experience i'm 50 now and and you know you just don't have the mobility you're used to even if you're working out in the gym and for a guy who's at a back fusion this is going to happen and there's been multiple press conferences that he's done where he's had a tweak or whatever and someone asks him about it because that's like the first question it's kind of like asking jason day you know are you okay um, and, and, um, the will go, well, the back fusion, the torque and the pressure has to go somewhere. And today we had him for three holes and it looked to me the way he was bending down there was sort of through his hips or his lower back or something like that. So that torque has to go somewhere. The truth of it is that his swing looked unlabored. He looked like he was swinging fine. He hit a tee shot down 11 that he unloaded like 179 mile an hour with a ball speed. That's not coming out of a guy who's swinging uh, protectively. And so I, I don't know what to make of it. Uh, it's more a situation again, where you see Tiger Woods come out and put together a very stout opening round, bogey free. He put all the pieces together using his terms. But then from there, you see a guy when it's not going so well, 
the person who's played a bunch, they'll make something of it. He sort of got 72 in, if you will. And it was the same deal today. Didn't really, wasn't able to make much inroads. So uh, I, I'm still looking towards a guy who needs to play a little more often before he gets to these big events so that you have that, that, uh, that understanding, that feeling of the flow of the roundabout you. But certainly you could see he was, uh, he, he wasn't a little pain to that. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that were that were very clear. I think we've seen some stuff over the last day and a half that we've seen a lot from Tiger in 2020. But Kyle, I also think that like his brain at Augusta National might be worth a shot around. I, I mean, he does some things that I'm just like, oh my god! Like even if the even if the shots aren't all there, he's he's mentally there, of course. And I wonder if this is what we're going to see at Augusta National every year. He's going to give us some good stuff. He's going to give us some bad stuff. And I don't know what to, what to make of it all. Yeah. I think, I think that's, um, I think that's probably right. And, and again, it's, what did he shoot today? Was he 71? 72. Uh, I think it's, and, and we talked about this on Friday. It's almost a three round tournament for him. Just get it to Sunday. Right. And then anything can happen. And so, you know, I think it'll be interesting if he, he had two good rounds, I, I thought I thought first round, second round were good. He was in a, a decent spot, but he needed that third good round in a row just to get it to Sunday. And then he can kind of mentally get himself around the place. I also I, I think he suffers from the lack of patrons, but not in the way that you might expect. People would say, oh, well, he's not, car- not carried by the, by the momentum and by the crowd and by the noises. And that might be true, but I think it also – it, it 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 disproportionately affects him that there's not as much tension, right? There's not as much going on with everybody else because he handles that and I think leverages it so well, like he did last year. And there's it's just not there this year. Like he's not he's unable to leverage the tension against you know the rest of the field, guys like Abraham Answer and Cameron Smith um, to his benefit. And I think that I, I just. I don't know that if you play out a patronless masters a hundred times, I just don't know how many of those he's going to win. And I didn't, I didn't think about this until today because of uh, the lack of tension on the weekend. I like that. That's a good call. Yeah. You know, I I looked at his round today real quick and and I don't think that it's a physical thing. I mean, he had, he Uh did everything to make this a, a very, very good score. He gets on the wrong side of the hole on number two, a wedge shot that gets passed. Portugal and Fowler are underneath the hole. They make easy putts. He has to be defensive and, you know, he ends up squatting his knees and, and grimacing because it's so close. That happens on downhill putts, especially around here. So he could have had one there. Uh, number three hit a great putt from perfect position, kind of gets a bad bounce on number four. I mean, maybe it's the expected bounce, but, you know, it kicks through the green on four. And then he three putts eight. And the pitch out from the woods kind of goes into a second cut that you're not used to. He's questioning the disc. My point is he was very close to this being around where he's sitting at nine under par. And to Kyle's point, if there's patrons around and he makes, he, he leaves it under the hole on two and makes it. And, and the putt drops on number three. And all of a sudden he's early on a Saturday morning, getting a little momentum going. We don't know what DJ has done at this time. The place would be going nuts. So I, I do think it's a, a great point, Kyle, and the tension level would definitely have risen. Hmm. All right, gentlemen, it's about that time. Uh, Dustin Johnson, 16 under par, four shots clear of the chase pack. Mark, we'll start with you. I guess describe a scenario in which this is not a five-hour victory lap for Dustin Johnson around Augusta National tomorrow. If he gets out and he plays the first six holes, mm-hmm. seven holes, because that's sort of, they can be a bit perilous. You know, you can get tripped up on one a little bit. You can certainly get tripped up on four and five and six with where the whole location will be cut. You can get into trouble there. And seven, you know, you can make a bogey pretty quickly there if you're not careful. If he plays those holes, maybe one, two over, and someone who's in that chase back gets busy and is sort of three under perhaps through through uh, a few holes and the gap is closed, then perhaps. But you've got to think of it this way. <laughs> you talk about, I'm going to use Bryson's 67 quip. And I talked about that on air and I didn't realize I was going to get so much uh, response from it because a bunch of folks talked about it after. Um, 
I was like, just let your clubs do the talking. Don't talk to me about, or don't tell me what par is for you. Let your clubs prove to me what par is for you. But here's the thing about DJ. On this golf course, if he just does what he normally does on the par fives, that's three under already. And then if he avoids disaster on where the disastrous holes, five if you're driving the twelve, bunch, you won't do. Yeah, 12, 11, 10, 11, 12. And that's kind of it. Then he's already shooting like 70 or 69 or so. And uh, that's going to put him at 19, which is a tournament record. I don't think anyone will, will get to there. So as far as I'm concerned, it can happen. It's always possible. We've seen it with Greg Norman. I mean, he had a massive lead and Felder shot 65 and Greg shot whatever it was. Or Felder shot 67, I can't recall. But I think this is a coronation tomorrow. And I think it's well-deserved. And I think it's going to galvanize the fact that he is a Hall of Famer. You know, he's, he was going to go in anyway because of what he's done. But people don't take him seriously because he's DJ. And he's like, whatever, you know, I'm going to golf ball and I'll make a lot of money and I'll have a win once or twice and blah, blah, blah. The guy is, the guy is seriously talented and he belongs in the Hall of Fame. And tomorrow he's going to earn that place and, and now be a two-time major champion. Mm, Greg, the difference between one major championship and two major championship uh, chips is big. I also think it's bigger for DJ when you have as many victories as he does and only one major title on the resume. Yeah, it, it's huge. It means a lot to him. Um, and it's a Masters, too. If you have a U.S. Open and a Masters, it's I mean, that that's just awesome. So but but look, a four shot lead. If he goes out and he's even par through 11 holes, it's a very good chance that he's not, he does not have a four shot lead he's even through 11, which can, it can easily happen, right? You can make maybe a three putt. Uh, maybe you don't make, take advantage of a tough hole location at number two or number eight or wherever. And all of a sudden you're even par through 11 can easily happen. Um, and nobody's really pushing you, but you have a three shot lead or a two shot lead. What's in your mind there? I mean, that that is all of a sudden you have this this one shot where everything can go away. It's not like this is a six shot lead where he's got cushion and even par is going to get it done. There's a, a very good chance that even par is in a playoff. Um, I, I think there will be a 68 out there, likely a 67. One of these three guys is going to go out and play um, a, and shoot a very good round. It's likely Justin Thomas goes out and shoots a very good round. So he's got to. He's got to be under par through 11 holes. I think if he's under par through 11 holes, uh, you're going to see a, a victory lap. That's a good observation, Carl. I hope I'm not stealing your thunder here. But, but with Augusta National playing as soft as what it is, and look, it did firm up today, but it's still soft. The mystery of the place has been taken out. And when it's firm and fast, that's when numbers become real. When you hit the ball on the wrong side of a slope and all of a sudden you're putting from 50 feet what's released off the green or on 15, you've hit it on the green, it's spun back, it goes in the water, that sort of stuff. That's not happening. So that means with these fairways playing wider, with the greens playing wider because they're more receptive, with the slopes being uh, mitigated just slightly because it's so receptive, it, it's going to make it really hard. You're going to have to chase him down. I don't think he's coming back. With so many close calls over the years, KP, there's still a tiny bit of maybe trepidation that I think, but uh, this is a different version of DJ. He just looks complete. He looks unstoppable. And how are you? Are you just going to follow him around all 18 tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, given his history at majors, I expect a drone, one of the drones, to fall out of the sky and <laughs> this or something. Uh, and that's and that's how he loses the Masters. Here, here's the thing. That people, so we talk about, oh, he blows 54 hole leads. He doesn't hold on. I mean, listen to this 2015 US Open, he holds the 54 hole lead, shoots 70, loses. Uh -huh. 2018 US Open, he holds the 54 hole lead, shoots 70, loses. 2020 PGA Championship, he holds the 54 hole lead, shoots 68, and loses. If he shoots any of those numbers tomorrow, <laughs> it's over. It's, it, he's not losing. And I think that we think, yeah, it's already over. Uh, I think we think about him blowing 54 hole leads, and it's, but it's not like he shot 78. Yeah. Shooting 70, 70, 68. It, it's not, it, you know, we, I think we have sort of a, 
we don't proper we don't frame like him blowing these these majors in the right way sometimes now does stuff happen to him does he kind of give away some stuff for sure but it's not like he's going out and shooting 78 79 to lose majors so i i just i think with the guys that are chasing him i mean what's the path to like j a jt 66 and dj would have to shoot even i i I think if he's under par at all, then then it's probably over. Yeah. Well, we're you know, find it, out. it feels kind of like a, like Tony Romo to me, where he's got great numbers, he plays great, but he fumbled a he fumbled a snap on an extra point and loses a game, and he gets known to be a loser. When there's a lot more that goes into it than him just losing, right? He, he he's a great player and he plays great in those final rounds. To your point, Kyle, but something happens and he doesn't and he doesn't win. And it's like, what's going to happen this time? Kind of a question. But I tend to think you guys are are right. He's, he's got a single story house, so he's good. What do you think, Greg? He's he's going to. Uh, I, I think he's going to be wearing the jacket tomorrow. How about you, Rick? Crown him. Let's do it. Give him. Give what? 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 Do you, what size? Uh, what size jacket does he wear? Let's get it made up tonight. He'll be. He'll be ready to rock and roll tomorrow evening. You can watch it all on CBS uh, streaming. It's on Masters.com. It's all great stuff. 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Mark, Amen. Amen. Corner coverage tomorrow. Amen. Corner coverage. I think we are on the air at 8 a.m. Well, I better find this out, so I'm not late. Yeah. <laughs> On the air, 8 a.m. with two T start. They're off in threes. So, uh, I, so I heard something about the last shot is planned to be hit at 2:45 or so. No, hold on, 1:45 or something early. So, so we're on early. Two T starts. Come and watch us. CBSSports.com, Masters.com, and uh, of course CBS. The early tea, the early tea times on the main show. There you go. Or the CBS Sports app. We will be back after the final round to break it all down. But for now, let me thank Greg Ducharme, who you can find on Twitter at the real GFD. Let me thank Mark Immelman, who you can find at Mark underscore Immelman. Let me thank Kyle Porter. You can find at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick run. Good. This has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.